Welcome to OCPHA's podcast on noteworthy news and updates for December 23rd, 2018. My name is Tony and I'm an informatics pharmacist at Health System. Hey everyone, I'm Paidea and I'm an independent owner of a Orange County Pharmacy. So this episode, we are just going to be talking about some of the news items and updates that has been going on and just uh, let you guys know what's going on and have a little bit of discussion between us as well. All right, so... Uh, something big that's very recent is a physician in OC has been accused of being a pill-pushing doctor, uh, namely Zung Pham. He has been linked to opioid prescriptions that uh, have been linked to five deaths. I've been seeing the prescriptions myself uh, while practicing out there. And so some other news related to this is there are currently no restrictions on the California board medical board uh, for this doctor's practice, so prescriptions can still be written new. Uh, he's been released on $80,000 bail, and if convicted, he does face a maximum sentence of 40 years in federal prison. Yeah, and so we want you guys to know, because if you are currently practicing right now, you should be cognizant if you do see his prescriptions come through. Ultimately, it is your license and also the lives of patients that we're dealing with. So it's important that if you do see it, just be cognizant and be aware of his prescribing habits, you know, check cures, and not just his, but any other suspicious type of uh, prescribing habits that you've been seeing. Definitely. Tony's right about that. Um, <clears throat> just make sure your, you know, your corresponding responsibility, uh, has been met and really be aware of all the prescriptions that are, are out there for controlled substances as the board is definitely out to look for these prescriptions to make sure that, uh, they are all legitimate and, uh, these patients will be coming in with these prescriptions. So just wanted to guys give you guys a heads up on that. All right. Well, so our next item is a little bit old now, but it's worth mentioning. It's a big, big issue that um, was uh, resolved on October 28th. The moratorium on the enrollment for pharmacy providers in Los Angeles County was lifted. And this means that independent pharmacies who were previously not qualified to enroll are now able to do this. Okay, so what does this mean? So the moratorium before had restricted a lot of independently owned or smaller pharmacies from enrolling in providing patients with straight Medi-Cal prescriptions. Mostly, mainly the chain pharmacies uh, were able to enroll because they had so many pr uh, pharmacies under their name, uh, these big corporations. But now, everyone, it's open and a lot more patients are going to have more access to different pharmacies for these prescriptions. So it's kind of a big win um, for independent pharmacy, uh, just expanding areas of where patients are able to get their prescriptions for Medi-Cal. All right. So now we're going to go over some of the Board of Pharmacy news. After 12 years, uh, Virginia Herald, which was the CEO of the Board of Pharmacy, will finally be retiring on December 28th. So uh, the Board of Pharmacy is currently looking for a new CEO, and it'll be big change, and we'll see who will be serving as the new CEO of the California Board of Pharmacy in the next year or so. And speaking of changes to the Board of Pharmacy, there are two new appointments to the Board of Pharmacy. The first appointment is uh, Shirley B. Kim of Los Angeles, and she is actually going to be serving as a public member. She's appointed as she's an associate of a Los Angeles firm focusing on business law service. And she's also a UC Irvine School of Law graduate. And then there's a new uh, Board of Pharmacy appointment, a pharmacist member, Dr. Maria Serpa of Elk Grove, California. She's a system support pharmacist at Southern Medical Center in Sacramento, and she's a past president of CSHP. So those are our two board uh, new appointments to the Board of Pharmacy. 
we've got some news on new legislation effective in 2019 to report. SB 1254. Uh, what is this bill? So 12, SB 1254 requires a pharmacist at a hospital pharmacy to obtain an accurate medication profile or list for each high-risk patient upon admission and discharge. So pretty much it's a medication reconciliation required um, upon admission and discharge. So who can perform uh, this duty? Pharmacists, interns, and pharmacy technicians. So there are specific training requirements for interns and the pharmacy technicians to do this, but it is a new requirement that will be effective in 2019. This bill seems like a really great bill because it's been shown, I've worked at a facility before, where it has been shown in the pilot study that having a pharmacy tech do this kind of medication reconciliation has shown significant improvement in the patient's care and lower length of stay. Um, so it is a very good bill, but one of the things that it does have to balance with is, you know, the, the budget that would be allowed to approve a position that would be able to meet the requirements of the bill. So there's there's a balancing act to be discussed, and uh, we don't really know where it's going to go, but it's something to be aware of. And if you guys have any issues or concerns, always uh, feel free to reach out to your local legislator, and uh, you can discuss it with them. Antony, can you discuss kind of how this bill is different from what has been currently happening in the hospital for medication reconciliation? I mean, we've heard medication reconciliation for uh, admission and post-discharge a lot. So what's currently happening or what's been happening in the, the hospital system right now? Or who's been performing these medication reconciliations? So I know that from the previous hospital that I was at, the reconciliations were mostly provider-driven or nurse-driven. And the medication list, like being nurse driven is not as accurate because of the, the training involved for knowing what medications are and, you know, all the side effects and things like that and catching like some of the things that maybe only pharmacy techs or pharmacists would catch. So having, you know, having the pilot, the study done at my previous place, we saw that just having a pharmacy tech, not even a pharmacist, but just someone that has been familiar with medications had improved a lot of the um, um, catching of maybe incorrect frequencies or um, incorrect doses or even like incorrect forms of the drugs. All right. So uh, this is a good uh, win for patients and pharmacy. Just we're using a little bit more of the expertise that we're all trained to do. So, all right. So we've got another legislation, SB 1442. And this bill specifies that a community pharmacy shall not require a pharmacist employee to engage in the practice of pharmacy unless the pharmacist is assisted at all times by another employee as specified. What, what, how do you interpret that? Interpret that, uh, law, Tony? This is an interesting law because it, it's kind of, to me, it sounds like a pharmacist can uh, have the ability to not practice if they don't have someone there in the pharmacy to help them. So the, the immediate thought that I had was thinking about graveyard pharmacists, where typically graveyard pharmacists won't have any help. It's just them. And this bill is, it seems like it's stating that the, the graveyard pharmacist doesn't need to engage in the practice of pharmacy because they don't have an assistant there. So I don't know if there's any more specifics in the bill that accounts for graveyard pharmacies or, you know, there's a patient number involved. I'm not really sure. But, you know, that that's my initial impression. Yeah, I think this, we're not sure about the specific regulations again, uh, but I think it's another win for a pharmacy. I mean, I know a lot of friends that work out there by themselves, especially on the weekends at a chain pharmacies, and you're just totally inundated with the lines, the phones, and, you know, you're being expected to just get 
crazily overworked. So hopefully with this bill saying that you at least need a pharmacy clerk, a pharmacy technician to be provided within the pharmacy really uh, helps with providing better patient care in the community and less mistakes. So we'll see how SB 1442 works out. Yeah. All right. So another legislation out there is AB 2760. Uh, and this requires prescribers to offer a prescription for naloxone products. It also includes pharmacists that are under a, a pain management uh, protocol to also be required to provide naloxone prescriptions for patients using high amounts of opioids. So this is, it was a uh, bill that was passed in 2018. So this is a new bill and that was recently passed. And actually, I want to bring up a question about it is um, there was, you know, pharmacists are allowed to just furnish naloxone. So how does this bill affect the practice of that? Well, there's definitely going to be less opportunities for for pharmacists who are trained uh, to provide naloxone prescriptions in the community. However, based on my experience, I haven't really been seeing many places offer this service. So I think it's really a great thing for patients to already come into the the community pharmacy to get their prescription because it's already provided. And at least it gives an opportunity for pharmacists out there to counsel the patients on the use of naloxone. Hopefully, we're going to be seeing a lot more insurances cover this medication. I would say last year, there weren't many. This was not part of the formulary. I mean, it's a huge, huge issue right now. We have our opioid crisis, and naloxone is just essential, and that a lot of patients were coming in needing these prescriptions. So uh, I think it's great that prescribers are now required to offer this prescription out for patients with high opioid usage. Yeah, and then don't get me wrong, pharmacists also still play in a very important role in um, in knowing about the opioid crisis and, and needing to know about furnishing naloxone. So if you guys are more interested in getting that training, the Board of Pharmacy is offering free a free training webinar to meet the protocol requirements for furnishing naloxone. And you can find this at pharmacy.ca.gov or if you just uh, search for CABOP naloxone webinar. So there are, the reports are in for the CPJE and NAPLEX pass rates of all graduates or those that have taken uh, the CPJE between April 2018 to September 2018. Overall pass rate in California was 89.7%. Um, and we also have a pass rate for overall, right? So 78.2% for overall. And uh, our NAPLEX uh, pass rates are 93.9% this year. All right. So congratulations to the class of 2018 for getting that done and becoming licensed professionals. We've got a large group adding uh, to our workforce in California here. All right. So that was our noteworthy news and updates for December 23rd, 2018. If you guys like this podcast, you guys can subscribe to us on all your major podcast services. And if you like to learn more about OCPHA, go ahead and visit OCPHA.org or visit our social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. But until next time, OCPHA is signing off, reminding you to get determined, get inspired. Mm-hmm.